Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Pastor Roy is continuing our series called God and Government as we look at a Christian's responsibility in society and particularly in the government process. Today, Pastor Roy will be looking at the fact that righteousness exalts a nation. When a nation chooses to live according to God's word, he exalts them. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along with Pastor Roy. I've titled the message today, Righteousness Exalts a Nation. My wife and I have been married 22 years this summer, and the first year we were married, I did something that probably some of you men have done. I lost my wedding band. And the way I lost it was I was doing landscaping, uh, working for a guy, working my way through seminary, and I was spreading straw after we had put the seed down. And somewhere along the way, as we were spreading straw, the ring came off. And it was somewhere in that yard. I'm like, now how in the world do I find this? Get down on my knees, because I'm going to have to get on my knees when I get home if I don't have it. <laughs> so anyhow, I, so the guy I was working with had a great idea. He's like, why don't you go rent a metal detector. I said, great idea. I think I'm going to do it. I went and rented a metal detector and I started scanning that field and lo and behold, I heard beep, 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 beep. And sure enough, it was a little Hot Wheels. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Sure enough, I started moving the straw back and there glistening in the sun was my ring. It was a happy day. But I had to tell my wife the story, and when I got home and told her the story, I didn't let her know that I found it right away. I wanted her to panic a little. And uh, I don't know, that probably wasn't very nice, was it? Uh, But boy, was she happy when I pulled out my ring, and uh, it was there. I share that story with you because in the whole idea of righteousness exalting a nation, you know, this was pretty precious to me because of what it stands for, the symbolism and the covenant that we took before God, and that's why it was special, and I'm glad I found it. But there was a book lost, a valuable book. It was the book of the law. It was lost. And somebody found it. If you open your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 34, I'm talking about during the reign of King Josiah. It had been lost. King Josiah reigned for 31 years in Judah. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, beginning in verse 14, he says, While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan. Now, different commentators or theologians will disagree as to exactly how long the book was lost. But it appears that it had been lost for several decades. And the reason I say that is because the two previous kings before Josiah 
were wicked, evil kings. If we flip back just a chapter, we will see that Manasseh was the king for 55 years. And it tells us in chapter 33, verse 2, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And some of the evil that he did was that they said he practiced sorcery. Sorcery is the idea of putting spells on people and things. I don't know that he did it, but they practiced divination, which means predicting and talking about knowledge of the future. They practiced witchcraft, consulting mediums, putting idols in the temple. He even built altars in the temple to false gods. It's like, how could you possibly do that? He built altars to all the starry host. He even sacrificed his sons in the fire. That's pretty bad. That's pretty wicked. And then his son turned around and did the same thing. His son, if you look in chapter 33, verse 21, Ammon was 22 years old when he became king and he reigned for two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. So here you have a grandfather and a father who did absolute evil and Josiah steps on the scene and he wants to practice righteousness. So how does that work? Maybe you grew up in a home where there was evil. Maybe all the way back several generations. The good news is God can break that cycle. He can break the curse of sin and you can become a righteous person through Christ. And so can a nation. And I'm encouraged, even though we don't know what's going to happen with the election, I'm encouraged by your presence here today. Because you know why you're here? You want to live a righteous life. Most of you are here because you want to be encouraged in righteousness and receive righteous instruction. That's why you're here. And that's encouraging because not only at Bethesda Church, but all across this nation, there are hundreds and hundreds of churches and thousands and thousands of believers who want to live righteous lives. And we can forget that and we can get all doom and gloom because sometimes I get that way of the way things are going. But there are a remnant of people that want to live righteously. And God rose up Josiah for such a time to do that. They found the book of the law. So there are three things I want to say that really will exalt a nation. When we talk about righteousness exalting a nation, these three things will help promote righteousness. Number one, a tender heart is responsive to God's word. Here is the key for righteousness in an individual's life or the life of a nation is the fact that I have a tender heart when I approach the Word of God. It's able to seep into the inner recesses of my heart. It changes me. It convicts me. It corrects me. It shows me where I'm wrong in my life. And that's what Josiah saw. Look down in chapter 34, verse 27. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God. Now, other texts will say because your heart was tender. Our heart responds to the Lord. It's important for us to go back and look at the roots of our country. I took a couple paragraphs out of 
a book by David Barton called The Role of Pastors and Christians in Civil Government. I want you to look at what he wrote because I think this is important. Our Declaration of Independence, whose writing was greatly influenced by the Bible. Consider the Declaration of Independence. He says, no nation has ever been as long under the same founding document as America has under the Declaration. In fact, France had their revolution more than a decade after America did, and she is now in her 15th government. Brazil has had seven constitutions since 1822. Poland has had seven since 1921. Afghanistan has had five since 1923. Russia has had four since 1918. And the story is similar for lots of other nations. The writings of John Locke. John Locke was born in the 1600s. And he wrote two treatises of government. The signer of the Declaration, Richard Henry Lee, declared that the Declaration itself was copied from Locke's treatise on government. Now here's why I'm mentioning this. Even though Locke's book is less than 400 pages long, Locke refers to the Bible over 1,500 times to show that the proper operation to show the proper operation of civil government. When we understand this nation was founded on Christian principles, it's no wonder, and Josiah realized in his day, that if we are going to live morally upright, righteous lives, it will be because we follow the book of the law, God's law. Not my law, not your law. It's God's law that we follow. And God has given us this in our Declaration of Independence. There was a group of political scientists who did a 10-year study that analyzed 15,000 writings from our founding fathers. The researchers isolated over 3,000 quotations and documented the original sources of these quotations. The research revealed the single most cited authority in the writings of the founding era was the Bible. 34% of the documented quotes were taken from the Bible, almost four times higher than any other documented source. I think that's important because Josiah realized the importance of God's word. And so should we. Look down in verse 19, chapter 34. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. He was, he was, he was devastated by what he heard because he saw what was happening in Judah and it was nothing in relationship to what God had said should be happening. In fact, one of the things that they had failed to really carry out, which was part of the DNA of the Jewish people, was they really failed to carry out the consideration of the Passover, which God told them they needed to remember. If you look over in chapter 35, 
It says in verse 18, the Passover had not been observed like this in Israel since the days of the prophet Samuel, and none of the kings of Israel had ever celebrated such a Passover as did Josiah. And I thought, well, what would that be like in our day? I guess it would be like probably making Christmas a pagan holiday or something, where we just totally neglect the spiritual significance of Christmas or some other thing that God gave us to remind us what Christmas is all about. The Savior who was born to set us free from our sin so we could be righteous people. Josiah also sought wise counsel. The prophetess Huldah. Look in verse 23. Huldah. He sends a group of people and Huldah gives this word back. In verse 23, she said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. See, that's what Josiah was interested in. Go inquire of her to let her know what God's word says, because that's what we want to do. That's the authority in our lives. So here's the question. What is the authority in our life? Whether it's an individual or as a nation, it should be God's law. Let us for a moment consider the parable of the soils. The parable of the soils are recorded in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's pretty significant. And in the parable of the soils, it talks about the seed, which is talking about God's word, falling on our heart. And he talks about four different types of soil. The first soil he talks about is seed that fell along the path. And the path was hard. The seed could not penetrate the path. So there was no way the seed could take root and germinate. They couldn't understand it. And it even says Satan comes along and he snatches away the seed of the word of God from someone's heart. And here's how that happens. You hear God's word being proclaimed. Your heart is touched. You leave here and you don't crack open the Bible again. As a matter of fact, when you talk about the book being lost, some of us have to hunt for our Bible on Sunday morning. <laughs> Every week we lose it. And then we've got to find it again and blow the dust off. He steals God's word from us. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. A blind mind to the truth will result in a hard heart. And what did it say Josiah had? A tender heart. But when we allow the seed not to penetrate our heart, our heart becomes hard. Then he talks about the seed that fell on rocky places. The soil was so rocky that it didn't have enough soil for the seed to get a root and grow. And so then what happens? He says they receive the word with joy, but it only lasts for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, he quickly falls away. So again, the seed does not bear fruit. And then he talks about the seed that fell among the thorns, the worries of this life that is consumed with temporary things, as it were, my job, my career, my education, my retirement. And then he even goes on to say the deceitfulness of wealth. We're consumed with stuff that money can buy and the stuff preoccupies us. And so those three conditions of the heart are hard. And then he says the seed that fell on good ground, and it produces a crop, a minimum, listen, 
a minimum of 30 times what was sown, it, it bears fruit. So here's what I want to say about the parable of the soils. The seed is the same. The seed can and will do what it is designed to do, meaning God's word, finding lodging in our heart. But the influence and impact of the seed is determined by what kind of soil it falls on. And this is why America is hardening its heart against God because it's fallen on the wrong kind of soil. It's not falling on soft, fertile, moisture, soil that a seed can grow in. And God help us as his church, as his people, for righteousness to exalt a nation. It requires a tender heart, a heart that responds to the word of God. And so I trust that your heart will respond to God's word. What kind of soil is your heart right now? Do you receive God's word? How is God's word changing you? You see, because I can bristle up against it. But once I receive it, once it begins to penetrate my heart, I have to do something with it. I can't simply ignore it. We have to do something with it. And Josiah, when he had the words of the law read to him, it touched his heart. He was moved to tears. And it touched him in a deep way. Righteousness is exalted when we respond to God's word. When you and I, the church, respond to the word of God in a positive way, it means that it is impacting the way I live at home, the way I meet with my friends, the way I relate to my spouse, the way I interact with church people, the way I interact with people in society because the word of God has done something to me. I don't live a morally goody-two-shoes life because that's what I want to do. I do it because I want to please God. I want righteousness to be exalted because God is glorified when righteousness is exalted. And he will be in America again. And I believe God can touch America again. There are so many churches and so many people who want to live righteously. We can make a difference. Here was one person who made a difference in his society. And yes, he was a leader. But God uses him in a great way. Secondly, a tender heart is humble before God. This is what will cause righteousness to be exalted in a nation when we have a tender heart that is humble toward God. Notice what it says in 2 Chronicles 34, 18 again. Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it before the king and when the king heard these words of the law he tore his clothes that was the idea of incredible grief and anguish of heart it was the external means of what was happening internally it touched his heart in a deep way he was grieved by the evil that he saw in society in his world and he wanted it to change Right before, oh, that's the verse we read there. Here's another verse, Psalm 25, 9. He leads the humble in what is right 
and teaches the humble his way. There's a teachability when we humble ourselves. We say, you know what, God, I'm open. I want to learn. I want to hear from you. I'm willing to listen to what you have to say and God for you to correct me. And here's the other thing about humility. It is always linked with repentance. Why was this nation not repenting of their sin? They weren't humble. And why were they not humble? Because their heart was not tender toward the book of the law. It all goes together. Sin causes grief and brokenness. He was also grieved because he realized that God was going to bring judgment on his people. I'm grieved for the judgment that God could bring on America. We shake our fists as it were at God and we want his blessing. And he's going to bring judgment on us if we do not humble ourselves before him. If my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves and seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and bring healing to their land. Look at Isaiah 66.2, this is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit trembles at my word. Trembles at the word of God. I'm going to go back to David Barton's writing for a moment. God was so important to these founding fathers that when they met in Congress for the first time in September 1774, they opened with prayer. But apparently, it was not a routine, genteel little prayer such as those offered at a public meeting today. According to the writings of those who were there, that time of prayer in Congress was momentous as well as extended. In fact, John Adams explained that Congress not only prayed, but look, it also studied four chapters of the Bible in Congress. What would happen in our America, if we had Congress studying the Bible. Wow, be incredible. That Bible study was so timely in one chapter, and that study had such a profound effect upon the delegates that John Adams wrote to his wife Abigail, telling her, I never saw a greater effect upon an audience. It seemed as if heaven had ordained that psalm to be read on the morning. I must beg you to read that psalm. Read this letter and the 35th, uh, he's saying the 35th Psalm to your friends. Read it to your father. Her father was the Reverend William Smith, the pastor of their local church. Silas Dean said that this time of prayer and scripture reading in Congress was so powerful that even Quakers shed tears. It's the idea we're under so much conviction that we're not living right, we're not honoring the Lord, that we are convicted. It says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are contrite in spirit. You see, a lack of humility is linked with disobedience. When we live in disobedience, it's because we will not humble ourselves before God and give him the rightful place in our lives.
Let me give you a couple other verses here in Hebrews 3. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice in God's word, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. He's talking about the Israelites when they were being led through the wilderness. They were there 40 years. Don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years. Saw what I did. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. That's why I say we need a tender heart and we need humility to submit to God. Otherwise, our heart is going to become hard. He goes on to say, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When we live in disobedience to God, we are hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Our heart becomes hard, the soil of our heart. And God wants to speak to us that we might live righteously because righteousness will exalt a nation. God is glorified when we do that. Righteousness is exalted when we humble ourselves before God. It is. A tender heart that is humble before God will also be concerned about other people. I'm not just concerned about my own life. I'm concerned about you. <laughs> and I'm concerned about our community. Josiah was concerned about his community so much that what did he do? He wanted to get rid of all the evil. That's what he wanted to do. His responsive heart to God's word and his humility before God caused him to desire purity. And so that's the third point. A tender heart is desirous of purity before God. Josiah was committed to cleansing the land of evil. If I go back to 2 Kings, actually you have this account in 2 Chronicles 34. And also in 2 Kings 22, you have the same similar account. And then in 2 Kings 23, it says this, that he sought, talking about Josiah, to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts. These were false gods. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley, which is right outside the city walls. He did away with pagan priests appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense. He got rid of those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and to the moon and the stars. He took the Asherah pole, which was a, another false god, a false deity, a Canaanite deity, as it were, from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside and burned it. He ground it to powder. He tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes, which were in the temple of the Lord. He broke down the shrines at the gates. He desecrated Topheth, which was in the valley of Ben-Hanom, so no one could use it to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire. He removed from the entrance to the temple of the Lord the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. He pulled down the altars 
the kings of Judah had erected on the roof. He removed and smashed them to pieces. Here was, here was incredible spiritual reformation because he didn't want to just hear what God's word said. He wanted to do something about it. So here's the question, even in my own personal life. Is there something in my life that is displeasing to the Lord? Have I looked in scripture and said, this is displeasing to the Lord. I'm going to get rid of it. Here's a relationship that is not honoring to God. I want my relationship to honor the Lord. What does God say about relationships? Here is what God says about a nation that will honor the Lord, that will have a tender heart toward God's word. Do you know what would happen to our nation if our nation, our government officials and leaders would begin to have a tender heart toward God's law and would humble themselves? Our nation would have an incredible turnaround. There would be revival. There would be a spiritual awakening like we've never seen in our day. Oh, it could happen. And we need to pray for that to happen. But it's going to require then purity in our part, that we live pure lives before God. There is so much immorality in our day. People say, well, it's just, it's just everybody's done. But God says, no, it's wrong. Purity before God. Josiah com was committed to cleansing the land of evil. Here's what God's word says. How does a young man keep his way pure? Or a young lady? Or an older man or an older lady? How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word, with my whole heart, my tender heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. That's what the Israelites did. They wandered from the commandments of God. Don't let me do that. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's the key to purity. I'm hiding God's word in my heart. I'm meditating on scripture. I'm allowing it to control my thoughts so that when I'm on the internet, I don't have to go to that pornographic site. I don't have to go to this. I don't have to do that because God says, honor me. Honor me. Paul challenged Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. Timothy was a young man in the ministry. He said, let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Why? Because righteousness is exalted when we take seriously our purity before God. Do we want God to be seen in, our, in America? It will when righteousness is exalted. God will be magnified. May that be the desire of our heart. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I have a question for you. How is your heart toward God? Is it tender? Are you open? I would have to say the majority of you probably are because that's why you're here. You wouldn't be here. And while you are here and sitting under the influence of not just my voice, you are sitting under the influence of God's word. God's word does not return void. It speaks to us where we live. And God is speaking to each one of us right now. 
Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for sin? Because I can't turn over a new leaf and become a good person. The Bible says I can receive a new life and become a new person. And I receive that life from Jesus Christ. It's a decision I made as a little boy. I gave my life to Christ. I realized I was a sinner. I realized I deserved God's eternal wrath and judgment. But I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for Roy Burkett. And I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And I didn't understand what that all meant as a little seven or eight-year-old boy. But I can tell you this. It changed my life. It's protected me. It's protected me from a lot of evil. I haven't lived a perfect life. I have failed God many times. But I'm thankful that he's a forgiving God. He's a gracious God. He desires a relationship with each one of us. Is your heart tender to respond to the word of God? What about the soil of your heart? When I talk about heart, I'm not talking about the physical thing that pumps the blood. I'm talking about the part of you that makes you you. Is your heart tender and responsive to the word of God? Do you want to know the word of God? Do you want a personal relationship with God? Is your tender heart humble before God? God help us to acknowledge our wrong before him and say, God, I need you. I need you. And I humble myself and I acknowledge my sin before you. And I ask you to come into my life and make me a new person. And God will do that. The Bible says he rejects the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we humble ourselves before the Lord. And thirdly, he says a tender heart is desirous of purity before God. We live for an audience of one. I think about our great nation and how God has blessed this nation. And I believe God wants to bless us again if we will put ourselves in a position to receive his blessing. And I think we will be in a position to receive the blessing of God if we will live righteous lives before him. God help us do that. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ and you have questions or you would like someone to pray with you, we'd be welcome, welcome to do that. We'd be glad to do that. That's why we're here. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. We are here to try to help you grow in your walk with the Lord. I'll be shaking hands at the back if you would like to pray with me or, or grab somebody else. Um, if you're a lady, grab another lady. Or grab another church leader. We'd be glad to pray with you. An unprecedented natural outburst seems to have taken over the country. Heavenly Father, Security. we thank you for the privilege we have to be your children. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web 
by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.